0: Thank you. Hey everybody, welcome back. You're listening to Han Talks First. I, of course, am your host, Han. And this is our the first episode of our second season of the show. So this has been going on for 51 episodes now, which is pretty cool. And um, for those of you who have been with us from the beginning... Thanks for listening, and welcome back. I know a lot of you probably thought this show was never returning. I did get a couple messages from people saying like, oh, you just kind of fell off the, the world there. Like, are you ever coming back? Like, what happened? We're, we're, we need more, no more Star Wars talk. And well, I want you to know that in no way was the podcast delayed due to this pandemic that looms around our, our world today. It just coincided with the fact that I kind of myself wanted to take some time away from talking about Star Wars, from watching Star Wars, from uh, reading up about the latest news and and everything. I just needed a little bit of a break. And so it's been a couple months, but we're back here. And if anyone of you listening are new listeners, thanks for checking out the podcast. Uh, We usually keep it pretty simple here, pretty short. Uh, This is a completely raw, unedited show. So what you're listening to is what you get live. Uh, Sometimes we have video that goes up on the YouTube page afterwards, but our primary channel relies on the podcasting network, such as this one you're listening to. So thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to just have a really short episode today because... I just wanted to cover one thing, and that is the return of the Mandalorian. We're on season two, which is, well, we all knew it was coming. There there's many uh, speculations and theories about what was to come, but now we're actually in it, and it's great. It, it, it's not what we're used to as being a Star Wars fan, where, you know, before the Disney got a hold of it, we had to wait 20-year in intervals between movies, trilogies, what it what have you. There was little stuff here and there that sprinkled our, our imagination uh, connoisseuric minds, but to wait for an actual movie, it took time, and it took a lot of patience. And sometimes, in those intervals of time, we didn't think we were getting anything. Then, once Disney purchased the franchise, or the IP, it turned into, we got the Skywalker Saga... And then we had to wait two years for the next installment of that. With, again, little sprinkled anthology films and TV shows here and there. But the big thing we all really love is the movies. And now we have this great show, The Mandalorian, which we are guaranteed to have a season every year. So it's kind of nice to have uh, something you love that was once a big movie conglomerate turn into a annual thing that we don't have to wait as long to enjoy. But anyway, so it's returned. I'm sure everyone has seen it. We're going to talk about the first episode today, which is called The Marshall. And this is how this podcast is going to work going forward. On Wednesdays, we are going to typically talk about the episode that was featured last week. That way, we don't have to worry about giving out spoilers too far in advance and, you know, hurting anybody's feelings, and hopefully you've had enough time to watch the episode by Wednesday. And then, so Wednesdays Wednesdays will be dedicated to The Mandalorian, and then on Mondays, you will have a regular, topic Star Wars episode, where we'll talk about either uh, book reviews, mo- movie reviews, or I also have a lineup of guests who I will be interviewing coming up on the show, which I'm pretty excited about. I can't announce yet, but just know there are some great people coming on and uh, two of which do work for Lucasfilm. Um, But stay tuned and it's definitely coming really soon. So yeah, going forward, Wednesdays is Mandalorian Day. Monday will be a regular scheduled topic um, this upcoming week actually, is a topic called A New Hope for Future Star Wars, where we're going to talk about why us as Star Wars fans can still have hope that not only will there be future movies, but that those future movies are going to uphold a standard that Star Wars has set in the past. So anyway, let's jump into The Mandalorian. So, like I said, this episode is called The Marshal, okay, and I'll start off by saying it's my favorite episode of The Mandalorian I have seen so far. Uh, the mo- the one I liked the most before this was the, I can't remember what it was called, but it was the prison ship. It was that episode where they went onto the prison ship to uh, break out one of the 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 trile. Twi-Lex, and it was the brother of the one girl. I don't know. Um, and it was directed by Rick Femiua And that was my favorite episode. I thought it was it was it it stood alone. You know, you didn't need any kind of context going into it. It was just a really fun, uh, a little bit um, darker of an episode, which I really liked. And I thought it's funny because that's the episode where I liked the characters the least. But the story itself and the action was some of my favorite. So anyway, this, this new episode of The Marshall has topped it, topped that one, and is now the number one at my list, which I imagine will be taken down as we get further into season two. But I just love how when they introduce season two, it jumps right into the action and right where the last season left off. Now, you can say that it doesn't really pick up where it left off because these epi- these This show is episodical, and it sticks to that episodical template where each episode is its own story. And it doesn't rely as much on character development as it does story, but that character development is woven into the action and into each individual story. And I'll explain that as we go further. But the way I'm going to break down this episode is by first talking about what I think was this episode's strengths, the things I really liked the things I'm looking forward to, and then I'm going to separate it by the negative side of things, where where I think I'm a little worried going forward and or things that just didn't work for me. But they might have worked for you, so let's find out. So like I said, uh, character development. Uh, A lot of TV shows uh, focus on characters more so than a uh, story. Uh, but in this one, it seems to be a flipped situation where the story is most important and it really relies on those old TV templates where every episode is, is kind of standalone, but there is woven underneath this underlying thread of a, of some kind of bigger story. And that's what we have with the Mandalorian. Uh, it's one of the biggest strengths that I love about this show and, I said many times before reviewing season one that I was a little nervous about, one, going into this show because I'm not a TV guy, and two, that it would kind of drag itself out. But it seems now that Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni, the, the show um, showrunners, do have a very clear and concise plan on where they want this thing to go, and especially since they've greenlit season three and four already. So that's definitely a good sign. Um, they didn't say anything about a season five, so I, I'm under the impression maybe four is the cutoff. I mean, that was the same thing we had with Star Wars Rebels anyway, but we'll see. That's a little, it's two years away, so we'll, we'll find out then. So let's talk about some of the characters since we're on character development. We had a new character come in, which of course the episode is named after the Marshall Cobb Banth. Now, the second he comes on screen, he's wearing that Boba Fett armor. And uh, every we know it's not Boba Fett because of how lanky and awkward it looked on Cobb Banth's person. So when he later takes off the helmet and reveals himself to be the marshal of the town and says his name, Cobb Banth, I was, I'll was, i be honest with you, I didn't know who that was right away, but the name did sound familiar. And I thought it was just, uh, just kind of a familiar cadence to his name but in fact it turned out to be an already existing character in the star wars universe that appears in the novel aftermath by chuck wendig so Cobb Vanth is actually a chuck wendig character which i think is really cool i myself did not read aftermath i do have the book <laughs> but i have not had time to read it myself um but i do know he makes an appearance in there because I've heard uh, some friends talk about it before. So I thought it was really interesting that they're bringing in uh, not only characters from the animated series or other movies, but they're also implementing books as well, which has not been done yet under the Disney umbrella. Um, usually it's the other way around. Um, they did, an, like when they first bought Star Wars, they did announce that everything here out was going to be considered canon, and it would all take place within the same world, same characters, everything. They did also say that movies take precedent over the books when it comes to um, continuity. But now they're implementing the novels themselves. And bringing this book in in particular was kind of interesting to me because the business side of things, the creatives did have problems with Chuck Wendig. I I am under the assumption that he... Well, it was once confirmed that he was fired from Lucasfilm. I'm not sure if he still remains to be fired, uh, but the drama that ensued there is something I won't go into. But anyway, so it's interesting that they would bring in Cobb Banth. So anyway, I do like Cobb as a character on screen, um, played by Timothy Oliphant. Elephant. Timothy Elephant. Uh, that, I think that's his name. Anyway, Uh, as soon as he came on screen, I was telling my girlfriend, I was like, uh, we just watched him in something. It was, uh, scream two. I think it was scream two. Is was either two or three? And it was just funny that, uh, like at the day before we watched scream two and he was in that movie and then he shows up in Mandalorian, uh, kind of un, unannounced. And it it was just funny and coincidental. But anyway, I think he's a great character. He's definitely going to return um because one uh this franchise loves to go back to Tatooine and uh, I just think Timothy Oliphant's a great actor in general and when he worked with with um the Mandalorian to negotiate a trade for the armor for saving protecting his village um I really like that storyline it did remind me a lot of the Uh, the village episode from season one where he goes to that farming uh, town and they say, we'll give you lodging if you can help defend us from the, the raiders on the other side of the forest. So it was very similar to that one. But of course this one involved a dragon, a crate dragon Something I never thought we would see in live action Star Wars, and that this was my favorite part of this episode. This is what makes it my favorite episode. It turns into a monster movie, a interpretation of Jonah and the Whale, um, and just uh, kind of brings in little nuggets from other movies all into one, just by and other like video games and stuff just by bringing in the crate dragon. So uh, the crate dragon is my favorite part. It's actually something that I wrote into a fan fiction of mine that appeared in a Obi-Wan spin-off show. Uh, anyway, I'm still just as glad that it's in this one. I do hope they bring reintroduce it into the Obi-Wan series because I think that would be interesting. And I think I I know a great way they could do it without look like copying the Mandalorian itself. So first off, I saw mostly, when people are referring to the crate, is that they're saying, why doesn't it have wings? Why does it look like a worm? Like, the crate dragon we're used to seeing in either the video game or in um, uh, novel description was this uh, winged dragon. Like, you would like what you think of when you hear the word dragon. Um, so a lot of people don't understand is that there are two subspecies of a crate dragon. And that being that one is called a canyon crate and the other is a greater canyon or a greater crate. So the canyon one is the one that we're most familiar with and that is they're the, they're smaller. They're they're definitely a smaller creature, more like the size of the little lizard that Obi-Wan rides in Revenge of the Sith. But those are the ones that are winged. And those are the ones from the video game and the ones that we first imagine when we think of the word dragon. Now, the greater crate is the larger ones. Those are the worm-like creatures, and they're, de- they're, they're the bigger of the species. And uh, I did see someone else say, then how come this one was really grand in scale and the one in A New Hope is very small? Uh, My theory there is that either the one in A New Hope was a baby or a youngling version or that the one in A New Hope was a male, a male greater dragon, Krayt Dragon, and that the one we see in The Mandalorian is a female because typically in the animal reptilian world the females are of the larger size than the males. Because they uh, control the males, you know? That's, that's how it works in the world. <laughs> or at least how it should. But anyway, so the Krayt Dragon was my favorite spectacle of this. And I thought it tied in nicely with the story, being that it brings up uh, moral meanings and messages as taken from Jonah and the Whale. The. Old Testament biblical story. Now, if you don't see it this way, that's totally fine. This is just something I thought of when I did watch it. And the for those of you who aren't as familiar with that biblical tale, it, the Jonah and the Whale, it basically is a message of you cannot run away from uh, God's plan. And in this situation, I think it relates to uh, the Mandalorian's quest, the quest to find the species of the baby Yoda. So it's the meaning of this crate dragon and him being swallowed by it and then emerging from it is that he cannot run away from his destiny. So it's almost like a reverse of the Jonah and the whale. Um, and also I forgot to mention, if you don't know what Jonah and the whale is, it was about uh, Jonah uh, who got swallowed by a whale Um, because he didn't listen to the word of God and then it, uh, it's too much to get into, but (laughs) if you want a good story, check it out. So anyway, I think this reveals back to destiny and that, uh, the Mandalorian, you know, the quest is his objective, but to get to his objective, he has to go through all of these little obstacles such as, you know, taking down the Krayt Dragon and then many more until he can reach his ultimate, you know. Uh, finishing task which is finding Yoda's people and bringing him back to him or baby Yoda Um, this you know is a little far-fetched and it's not probably not accurate or what the creators were thinking when they wrote this down this is just how I view it and it ties in with that episodical template that they're using where you know they each episode is its own story but it's building to something that is on a grander scale for the character in this case being baby Yoda and the Mandalorian and them both reaching their destiny of finding out where they belong. Another interesting thing about the Crate Dragon was the pearl. I'm I'd really glad they showed the pearl at the end because that was another thing I implemented into my fan fiction was the Crate Dragon pearl. In my short Uh, fan fiction obi-wan collected them and that was his form of uh monetization and that's how he was able to have so much money when he was taking luke to moss eisley and purchasing the falcon fair and all that kind of stuff and just why it seemed that he had so much money during that time period is because he was a great dragon pearl collector But anyway, that's that's off the point. I'm glad they implemented it in this, because it could mean several different things. Um, Or it could mean nothing. One is that it could have just been in there for an Easter egg, for uh, fans who either played the game where they had to collect the pearl at the end of defeating the dragon. Um, But my other theory is that it will tie in later, because the pearls from a crate Dragon are very interesting rock formation, because wherein lies a bunch of different rocks that are refined by the acid which lies in the belly of the crate dragon and sometimes they can form into kyber crystals that of which we know power a lightsaber so we've i don't believe we've ever seen one power a lightsaber in any of the video game, TV show, blah, 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 movies. Um, but the theory is that maybe it's a pearl kyber crystal from a crate Dragon that powers the Darksaber itself, since it is a mystery weapon to that we, we don't know exactly how it was forged or what powers it. So maybe it'll tie back in later. I don't know. And another thing that was really cool was they finally gave the sand people a little bit more soul and heart to them because throughout the years we've seen sand people as being these vicious creatures, these monsters that dwelled in caves in the desert that were just savages. But in this one, we actually got to see a little bit of humanity to them, which I thought was really sweet. And they were helping with the the humans and going to defeat the dragon. And they also respected the dragon on kind of a, a spiritual offering level where they would, you know, give it some banthos time and time again so it would hibernate just, I guess, kind of as a peace offering. Um, oh, that was the other thing, the Krayt Dragon. It's it's Howl. Uh, they used the same audio from A New Hope when Obi-Wan was trying to impersonate it to scare off the Sand People in the first movie, which I loved. They, they made it a little bit more serious in tone, but you can still hear Obi-Wan's little, wow! <laughs> they added some roars and stuff, which, it's a little faint, but it's in there, so go back and listen to it. It's pretty crazy. Uh, finally, which is probably why you are all still listening to this episode, is the last shot in the, pre- the first episode of Season 2. The reveal that is Boba Fett amazing I didn't expect it I was gonna say this soon, but maybe at all. I don't think I was expecting it. I honestly didn't expect a a, a tag at the end to kind of uh, leave me anxious for a, a, the next episode. but we this might be a continued format going forward so we have to keep this in mind. So once we get to season three, does this guarantee that we're going to have a cliffhanger at the first episode of Season 3 as well? Because in Season 1, it was Baby Yoda. In Season 2, it's Boba Fett. In Season 3, could it be something else at the end of the first episode? Might be a pattern that we'll see continued on. I don't know. Um, As far as how Boba Fett's going to tie into this, I really don't know. And I'm not too keen on wanting to speculate on it because I think it's really interesting that they're kind of free to do whatever they want because honestly as popular as Boba Fett is he does not have much to him we don't really know much about him Uh, I mean we know where he comes from obviously as a child as as a kid but even then he was still a side character in the background we did get a, a nice arc of him in Clone Wars and we know that he is a vengeful motherfucker because he wanted to get back at Mace Windu. Um, But uh, as an adult, uh, where he's been, he doesn't have much screen time in the original trilogy, and we just don't know about who this guy is or what he wants, what his purpose is. So I'm really excited to see what Dave Filoni and Favreau bring to this character, but also implement it into the, the story overall. Uh, a lot of people are saying he's going to get in a fight with Mando. And <laughs> I I would like to see that, but I feel like he's going to be more of a mentor to the Mandalorian, um, similar to how Obi-Wan was to Luke Skywalker. But that's just my theory. That is what I would like to see, actually. So that's uh, that's it for my positives and what I really love about this episode. Again, remember, this is my favorite episode. All the All the negative and cons that I say about it, really, they aren't as big a deals. And it's just, just very minor things that I just didn't care for. So first of all, the (laughs) first thing I had a problem with was the fricking Cyclops at the beginning of the movie. I really don't, I really didn't like that character. I, I don't know why it didn't work for me. And I had a similar, um, thought when I watched the first episode of season one, two, and it was the blue creature. I did not like that blue character. Both of them make me think of Marvel, and I really don't want to think of Marvel movies when I'm watching Star Wars TV shows. I they just didn't work for me. It didn't fit. I don't know. You know. I mean, I I totally respect that uh, it, we're in the we're in space and there's different worlds and different species and aliens, um, but uh, for some reason. Um, when it just looks like a person in a mask, I don't really feel it. I would, or at least when you can see their face, when it's a humanoid, I do really prefer when it is a, like, like when it looks like an actual alien, when it doesn't resemble anything human about it. You know, you could say the same thing about Twi'leks, but, um, <laughs> I do like the Twi'leks. I didn't like that one guy in the prison episode, but that's a different story. Anyway, that was a minor thing, a very minor thing the second thing which i think is a major problem and that is going to be worked on going forward and that is that i really do believe that the future of star wars is set for television which may not seem like it doesn't sound like a bad thing a bad thing but you know when i think of star wars i think of the grand scope of it i think of the big screen i think of uh immersing myself in the universe, immersing myself in that space, that Star Wars space. And I really thought of it when watching this episode, because as it was playing and you see the giant monster, the giant crate Dragon, you see the giant landscapes and all this wonderful stuff that didn't really feel like a TV show, I I really wish I had watched it in a movie theater or on a really big screen. That's just... How I was feeling during it. One shot in particular that stands out to, uh, you know, make my point a little more valid is the ultra wide shot outside of the Sarlacc Pits, the abandoned Sarlacc Pits entrance, when the sand person was first walking up to it to uh, feel the ground to see if it was asleep or awake, the crate dragon. And he looks around and he does some sign language to the Mandalorian and he's really far off and you just see the giant hole in the background and the huge uh, canyon that he's in and he's really far off in the distance. He looks like a little ant and he's waving his arms and the Mandalorian's just like, he's telling us he's sleeping. Seeing that scene, I was like, man, I really wish that I could see that on the big screen because it's just, one, it's just really beautiful and two, I, I would feel even more immersed in that world than I already was. And I think also, on top of this, proving my point, is that at the beginning of the episode, it it starts off as a standard uh, flat screen uh, template, which uh, what I mean by that is when you have the black bars at the top and bottom of the screen. Once we get into the action and the openness of the world and we introduce the crate dragon the black bars fade and the screen enters into a scope mode which is the full screen and once it did that you you feel the world growing and you feel your mind entering it and seeing that on the big screen would have been even it would you would have felt it even more i just feel it um Christopher Nolan does this a lot in his movies. If you are trying to understand what I'm talking about, it's just a way to immerse the audience and having them feel like they're entering that space a little better. But anyway, that's it. Mostly positive things. I really am looking forward to episode two. I'm not going to do much speculation here because I, (laughs) I feel like everyone does speculation. Everyone does breakdowns. So I don't really do that either. I just want to talk about it, you know, But that's it for me today. So thank you guys so much for listening. Tell me what you thought. Please send me a message. I'm mostly active on Instagram. It's at First Podcast. You can follow me if you want to. Don't have to. Also a YouTube page. We're going to try and post content at least weekly. Once a week. Something like that. But stay tuned because next week we are throwing down another episode about a new hope for future Star Wars. Coming out on Monday. Thank you all for joining us on Season 2, Episode 1 of this show. It's good to be back, and I look forward to doing more and chatting with you guys soon. So thank you so much for your time, and may the Force be with you.